Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What's up, everybody? Episode 90 of Working Class on DeerCast, and I'm here with my buddy, Devin Leonard. What's up, dude? Kurt, how are you, man? I miss you. Yeah, I know. It's been a bit, but guess what? I'm coming out on the 30th, I believe, so that's like 10 days away. Yeah, I was actually, I was like, man, I got to follow up with you on that. I was like, well, I'm going to podcast with you anyway. Yeah, because you have, uh, you guys have a lease out in Illinois now, which is awesome. Yeah. For people who... People who listen on the regular and have listened to the podcast we've done with you over the last few years now, um, they kind of know your story. You know, you're from Utah. You're you're traditionally a mule deer guy, but you hunt everything. Um, you know, I describe you as like the most passionate hunter about whatever you're hunting. Yeah, no, for sure, dude. Whether it's a bear hunt, a coos deer hunt, whitetail hunt. If I'm on that hunt, that's my favorite hunt. I think we're having internet lagging but, uh, issues, so yeah, if, it, if it keeps going, we'll get caught okay. up. I think we're cool. uh, we should be good. But uh, so what I wanted to talk to you about this week is I like seeing you kind of. I, I got I was around you when you shot your first whitetail, which is behind you there, and yeah. I got to watch you. I feel like I got to watch you fall in love with the whitetail game. Yeah, which now has us talking about buying property out there. <laughs> Has this has this trying to get leases that f- come through? I mean, with uh, we got that lease with Andy and Rachel, which is awesome. We've been talking about another one that doesn't seem like it's going to go through. We tried yep. to buy some land out there, but it just didn't really map out for us. But yeah, dude, I'm addicted now. Um, I it's cool to see, and I think people don't understand how crazy the getting land access getting permission getting a lease even buying ground if you can do that like the whitetail game is pretty cutthroat when it comes to like access stuff and and 
where we're at, there's public, but not like close public too. So there's always that option, but you know, to, it's just a tough game. It's hard to explain to like guys like you and Trey who are out West where it's all public. Like, right. you, you know, if you got a point, you can draw that unit or you just go and it's you for as far as you can see, you can hunt. It's a little different here in the Midwest. You know, you're very, you're very boxed in to a boundary well, in most cases. Yeah. And I can definitely see that just with how well connected you guys are. And I've been watching you trying to help me out, get a lease or anybody that, you know, you're like, Hey Devin, here's, we have a potential to get a lease over here. And even with how well connected you are, dude, it's still a tough game. So I can only imagine for me to try and get in that game all on my own, maybe go out there and knock doors or send out mailers or whatever it is, dude, like that, that almost seems like nearly impossible. <laughs> it does. It, I don't want to say that it is, but yeah. Um, yeah. I've had buddies on from Wisconsin, like shot the Jeremy Beck. We talked about it. He's like, dude, Illinois is tough. It, yeah. It's touches Iowa and it's over the counter bucks every year. And yeah. I was not, you know, I was on a draw, so it's different. Um, but I want, what I want to talk to you about, because you came out hunted, you know, we told the story on the podcast, you know, killed the buck first couple hours, like got that first day whitetail hunter luck on a great deer. <laughs> and, uh, which is like, for me, I'm like best case scenario. Cause you've watched me kill a lot of firsts, uh, and whatever we're hunting. Yeah. But as after that, and you hunted last year, I heard you mentioned like, man, I want to be a part of the process. Like I want to go hang stands and hang a trail camera or two, or talk about food plots and, and all that. So like going into this fall, like where's your mindset with whitetails? Like what's interesting to you? What, you know what I mean? What are some things you want to do? Dude, I want to, um, I think, you know, I talk about being a part of that process. It's almost like watching a buck for two or three years, you know, where you like, I don't know, you, you kind of build that might sound weird to say, but like that relationship or that connection. And you're like, okay, I watched him as a three-year-old and he was a nice buck. And then now I watched him as a four-year-old and now he blew up as a five-year-old. I mean, there's just a whole different feeling of killing a buck when you've had, when you've watched him for three years. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't live out there and I probably won't really have that experience unless I see, but the experience that I, I can get is being a part of like setting up the trail cameras, helping you guys set up the tree stands, helping you guys uh, do the food plot. So that way when it's like, for me, when that shooter buck does show up or he does show up on camera, dude, it's like, yeah, I was a part of that process. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I'm looking for on, on why I want to come down there, spend 800 bucks on a flight ticket, leave my family, miss the work because do that. That's just going to be a whole different feeling from showing up, having you guys totally set me up. Judd puts me up in his favorite tree stand. Well, I don't know if it's his favorite, but it's mine. <laughs> and he's like, okay, dude, go sit here. And uh, dude, it's like two hours later, I've got a buck on the ground. And that don't get me wrong, dude. That was epic. That was cool. Yeah. But now to actually be a part of that process just a little bit more. And I know me just coming out one time and only spending two days out there on the farm doesn't really equate to me like doing that much. But, you know, being a part of that process just that much more, dude. Mm -hmm. And seeing a buck up close is going to be cool. And if I kill one, dude, that'd be even better. Yeah. I think, uh, I enjoy your appreciation for it. And I feel my perception perspective, perception, probably perception, I guess would be the correct term uh, of Western guys looking at the whitetail game. I feel like it's more common for you guys to kind of like snuff it a little bit. Like, but I think you really just generally love hunting 
yeah. and you love the process of whatever that hunt is. Yeah. And what, what's interesting about whitetails, like I just had Jared Sheffer on last week. Jared doesn't participate in the traditional like whitetail farm hunting culture. Like he he goes out on public and he's just full blown kind of like chaotic run and gun trying to shoot him with traditional equipment. And then, you know, I like the process of here's your property. Like to me, the boundary is a challenge as well. Like, okay, you have 40 acres. How do you put the work in to make that the most attractive 40 acres to a mature deer? And then if a mature deer uses it, how do you dial in to shoot them? Right. And, and I think you find, well, you're more used to the run and gun stuff out West. So I think it's appealing to you to have that kind of like, the work is applied in different areas, I guess is probably the way to put it. Yeah, dude. And it's just, it's just different. And it's like, dude, if you do the same thing, like if you just did the same thing every single day, you'd, you're going to get bored of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Same thing with hunting. It's like, dude, how cool is it to be able to hunt out West and go on a mountain lion hunt? And then how cool is it to be able to go on a, an elk hunt? And then how cool is it to go back home to Illinois and work on your farm and do food plots and, mixing it up dude that's the best it's just like the bear hunt dude it's like well the bear hunt why that's so cool is because camaraderie hanging out with buddies yep. you get to sleep in have a good breakfast and then go work all day setting baits checking cameras and then you go sit in your tree stand at night and it's just totally different than a high country mule deer hunt and it's yeah. totally different than you know a whitetail hunt um so i just think switching it up dude i, I heard this one guy say you know whitetail he, he refers to whitetails as um Agrats, have you heard that before? <laughs> no, I've never heard that. Yeah, agrats, dude. And he's just like totally against like whitetail hunting. I'm like, dude, I guarantee you don't you understand what? it. Yeah, you just don't understand. And he's, and he's the type of guy, dude. I I don't know him, but just based off what I can see, dude, he he would fall in love with that process. You know what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> I've never heard that. It's pretty funny, actually. Agrats, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, yeah, now you can use that. I don't know, but um. Yeah, dude, switching it up. And that's why I'm excited, dude. And there's nothing better. And, dude, every year until I came out there with you guys hunting whitetail, every year I'd make November around hunting mule deer here because I can hunt mule deer all the way till November. And the rut's pretty good along the front. And, uh, and dude, ever since that first year coming out and saying, okay, I'm not going to hunt mule deer during the rut, even though that's, like, my favorite time, um, I'm going to go out there with you guys and go on a whitetail hunt. Dude, I got hooked. And now I'm like, okay, November is for whitetails, dude. Yeah. No longer to the mule deer get my attention during November. It's only whitetails. Yeah. Well, okay. That's an interesting point. So when is your favorite time to try and, like, have a successful hunt on mule deer? I know any time, right? But, like, yeah. now that being – that now after making that bold statement, when is your mule deer time? Uh, mule deer? Dude, I'd probably say September 10th because that's right when they start stripping their velvet. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're getting back into the velvet hardcore thing. Okay. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So you got um, you got a fair amount of time in there to try and get a buck killed before you leave for whitetails. Now, the caliber of buck that you have um, worked your way up to is different than the average mule deer hunter, by judging by some of the muleys behind you. Uh, so, but like talking to you, I kind of catch on. You're like, ah, I just got to find a buck that like trips my trigger. Like yep. you're a guy that is, uh, you're not so concerned with the killing of the animal. Right. That's my, that's how I view you. Yeah. Like I don't have to kill what, what's important to me is finding that target buck 
and trying to outsmart him. That's what makes it fun. Whether I got to try and, you know, it takes me a year, two years, three years. Um, chasing that target buck is what is fun to me. Yeah. No, that's, I think, I, I'm still in the stages like to shoot stuff. But yeah. I, but yeah, like if you have a buck, that makes it so much sweeter when you when you close the deal. But, uh, and that's why I'm glad you're excited about the whitetail process is because like I enjoyed that Western stuff uh-huh. where you're from. It's cool to see you come here like, like when you shot your buck, you full blown dove into like Midwestern whitetail culture. Like we hung it up at the house. Yeah, you went to Casey's to get breakfast and pizza yeah. and skinning the deer and having a bush light and kind of just enjoying the leisure of like a successful Midwestern whitetail hunt. Yeah, dude, it was awesome. <laughs> and dude, for whitetail, bro, I'm not like like whitetail's totally different than mule mule deer, you know, because I've only killed one whitetail. I've hunted. This will be my third season. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to whitetail, dude, I think my last buck was like one thirty. So, dude, if I see a one thirty-five, yeah, dude, what's up? I well, just my only goal is to kill a buck just a little bit bigger. Well, I'm much. I would like one much bigger, but if I see a one thirty-five, dude, I'm going for it. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, that buck behind you too. I mean, everyone can see if they're watching this podcast on video. You can see him over your shoulder. Like that's yeah. a great buck. Oh, yeah. Um, a, a first whitetail ever. I mean, you're no stranger to just big antlers in general, but I mean, you've killed coos deer. Some and that's not a whitetail. It is, but it's not. And your coos is over your other behind you right now. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm glad you were able to kill like a buck you were stoked with, which I knew you'd be stoked with about anything. But I think that's a great realistic goal. Yeah. You know, like Trey Heiner came down and shot a 160 his first sit, which it's like, how the hell does that even happen? <laughs> but that guy deserved that more than anybody, too. You know, like, yeah, what an absolute giant of a white tail, dude. Just a stud. That unreal. But even then, like, that made our whole week. It did. It did. You know, we went in with Judd and Trey, and, and you didn't kill a buck that year, but you saw a deer. You yeah, were on I missed deer. One. Oh, I forgot you did. Yeah, huh? I missed a stud. So, dude, I like, I had my opportunity messed it up then i had another great buck come in and i spooked him so i had two opportunities but yeah dude that, that was a fun week i don't know how we're gonna top it though dude with that big old buck you know, that trey got <laughs> that was a that was oh, you killed that week too dude yeah yeah eight pointer right yeah the pretty much like the second to last day you guys were in i think you yeah. guys flew out the next day or the day after but it was a, it was a stellar week but but that's the most magical time for whitetails yeah. You know, it's like, don't get me wrong. I like to be able to pattern a buck in October, blah, 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 that whole thing. But there's something about November. That's why the jury is always crowned at sweet November. Yeah. It's just got this. Uh, to me, it brings me back when I was a kid. Like for me, November in the Midwest has like an aura to it. Uh-huh. Like you get a good, crisp, clear, high pressure day and the leaves are crispy and you can smell the leaves. Yeah. And you just you hear that and it's just like oh dude i got chills like it yeah. like gets me worked up man it's in my blood i love uh-huh. i love yeah. i love hunting mule deer and everything else but dude something about that like just november chris morning man you you go to sleep thinking about the that cadence crunch in the leaves yeah and you sure. wake up just hoping that's going to be the day you look down and you see G2s like this coming 10 yards, you know, like <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, dude. I remember hearing that dude, just the, and then you look over, you're like, Oh crap, there they are. They're coming. Uh-huh. And dude, it's like, you go from like being bored in the tree stand and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, or, or, or maybe it ends up being a squirrel, but you know, 
yeah, yeah it's dude, also part of the experience that's an amazing sound for sure but i to me i was just kind of like proud to hear you say like you know i want to i want to hang tree stands and i want to i want to be a part of the process of like trying to pattern one and you know you're willing yeah. to put in the work and to me that was like really cool to hear yeah for sure dude you know so what so what, are, we, what what will we do are we going to be putting out food plots out there so i think so I andy and rachel mentioned something about that yeah i i don't know exactly what the goal is i've never been out to where you guys are at but i know they uh i have i have equipment to do it so nice. um i guess i'm gonna run out there with you guys and we'll see what we can see and see what we can throw in cool. um but yeah i think it'll be fun to like try and hang a couple tree stands and you so know would we would we want to hang them like what we find our pinch point hang them or is it better to set out trail cameras get the data from that and then depending on what we see on the trail cameras then put up tree stands or do both what's what i would do since it's a clean slate and i feel like a lot of people are scared to admit this that's deem themselves as an expert uh-huh. is uh, i like the guess and check method yeah because one it's so fun but yeah, yeah hang your trail cameras where you think deer are naturally going to be this time of year and what something different with illinois there's no supplemental feed allowed in illinois yeah. So like Doug and Eric right now are running big time supplemental feed and getting pictures of just studs moving, you know, at the feed. Right. Good deer at the feed, does at the feed, whatever, every anything that's going to feed at the feed. Illinois, you can't supplemental feed at all unless it's a food plot, like a grown food plot. So what's it's funny to watch our crew that's half Iowa, half Illinois. The Iowa boys always have the stellar photos. Uh-huh. And then we're setting up cameras for natural movement, yeah, which is what you guys will be doing. But I almost feel like that gives you more of an advantage. Here's my theory, because we're actually finding the deer on how they like to use the terrain that they're living in, whereas they're just like, you know, you could put it anywhere and the deer are going to come to the feed. Right. So I think that when it translates into season and how you're going to hunt the deer or how the, how the deer use the property – I feel like we will have the advantage in that because we're catching them on how they use the terrain. So I would say we're going to put trail cameras up and if we hang stands, which I think we're going to, you know, this is your guys' call. I'm kind of like just coming to hang out, but you know, or what I, you know, maybe giving an opinion or two, but yeah, I think see what terrain features are there. Hang a stand on terrain feature. How do, how will a deer move from point A to point B on this property and hang them there. And then I think the fun part's going to be, getting some trail camera pictures, hunting it, yeah. seeing how the deer are actually using it, if they're using it how you thought. There might be a terrain feature we didn't realize or something we're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense after you see a deer do it. And then you can add some mobile hunting game into the equation where you might move a set and move in on a deer for a certain wind or whatever it may be. Yeah. So I think we, we start clean, work from the outside in, and – guess and check see what happens that's going to be the exciting part so what would be the process of like doing a food plot you spray you till you seed or what like is it that is that it or like what so that? a food plot expert would tell you um to take a soil test okay uh i will be honest i don't do soil tests like i should a lot of mine just like hope it grows <laughs> um but if you has ask it any- not, has it ever not grown for you before I've never had it not grow, but I will tell you if I took a soil test and applied what needed to be applied to the soil, yeah. uh, some of the plots that might not have done too great in like, 
you know, on a year we didn't get enough rain or whatever, probably would have came in a lot better. Yeah, I got you. Um, but yeah, like so the simple process, like I'm getting ready to put in two fall plots. Uh-huh. So um I've already mowed and sprayed. So I mow or I'll spray first, depending on the length of it, let it die off, uh, mow off everything, and then I'll come back in with a tiller, uh-huh, work the dirt. And then what I'm going to be doing this fall, like I'm, I need to go spray one yet uh, as the recording of this, which I'll probably do tomorrow. I'll go spray with uh, my Ranger. I got like a boom kit for my side by side and then kill that off. Let it die. Come back in. I'll till it and then um, I'll spread the seed and then I'll come back in with a, uh, a tool called a cultipacker, which you run over the till dirt, with the seed on it. And it kind of pushes the seed down into the dirt. Gotcha. And then you okay. hope for rain. And you hope for rain. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. So what? So the fall food. What is the fall food? Like what? What will you be growing? I'm gonna have two uh, like brassicas and turnips, and okay. and it's in a blend, you know. Yeah. Um. So here I can give you an example of one of the blends right now. Um. I'll just read off what what I'm planting, which is uh, one of the plots is going to be big time buck brunch. And, it, and the only reason why I'm bringing this one up because I think it's the most user-friendly uh-huh. um, just because of it's like it's considered a no-till food plot. So someone who doesn't have a tiller or access to a tiller can uh, kind of just broadcast it on bare dirt and it should grow. Nice. Um, and my internet's going slow because we're on here, so I'll probably end up lagging this up. I wanted to be, I wanted to be right when I read it off, you know. But... Um, yeah, so that that's is the fun process to kind of see like So should we do you do you think we should do a food plot when when I come out? We're gonna have to, we're going to have to do it quick. Okay. So this is um and I want to read exactly what was in it. Hold on a sec. It doesn't matter here, but uh Mix of turnips, flowering crimson clover, forage rape, forage wheat, and uh, premier wheat hardy annual ryegrass. So buck brunch has been kind of like my my one-two punch when it comes to like uh, a lush, successful fall plot. But um, yeah, I mean, we for sure can. We're just going to have to hurry. Like there's going to... You would probably have to spray it before we even come out there, right? Yeah. Um, depends on what it would do. I would gr- I would mow it you can spray before you mow you want there to be leaves so that's the thing you don't want to mow it down too much and just have it be like stemmy and then it won't like kill it and do its job but right yeah like if you guys want to put a fall plot in now we'd have to be in a hurry okay well you know i mean mid-august at the latest okay yeah we can talk to andy and rachel but dude i just think that'd be cool to like set one up i don't know how much work how much time it takes but we can do it. I mean, I'm close enough. I can trailer everything out and do it while you guys are gone. And uh, but the thing is, if I do that, I you know I get a deer off of it. There you go. Yeah, you get two deer tags out there, huh? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm kidding. I would. I just want to see you guys have fun. So, and also, dude, to set up another thing that's changing here at the studio is we're remodeling our other building. So we bought the neighboring building. Ew. And brickwork starts today. We poured a concrete pad and the like. It's we're working on it for you so, guys. Okay, so when you get that all, when you get it built out, like what's that going to be primarily used for? So a lot of it'll be, I'm calling it right now, uh, WCB Corpo. Uh huh. So it's going to be more like uh, the business side. You know, this side is more production entertainment side. Okay. That's going to be more like background business stuff. So um, a lot of uh, stu- uh, companies were dealers for 
our online store, shipping, um, stuff like that. But we're also going to double it down when if we want to have like some like VIP type Patreon parties, we can and entertainment space. Nice, dude. But there'll be a bedroom with bunk setups in there and a shower and all that. So I'm going to have a second home out in Illinois, baby. You might as well just move out here. (laughs) Rinse cheap. Next time the wife gets mad at me, dude, I'm booking a flight and I'm just going to be like, sorry, babe, I'm out. Just don't say nothing. You're living in New Windsor, Illinois. But uh, the goals have just like an awesome hunt camp feeling. And that's something I love having you guys back out is like the hunt camp culture. That's kind of even you guys are new to the whitetail hunt. Well, you know, Rachel and Andy, you are. But uh, I'm getting it back for the first time. You know, I grew up with that. Yeah. As I got older, it kind of like faded out with, you know, where we're able to go and property and all that stuff. So having the studio and having you guys back in kind of brings that camp culture back for me dude i love that hearing stories like dude that's that's what's so fun hearing trey kill a big old giant and then when it comes close to the end of the hunt you killed your big old eight pointer yeah telling stories about how i missed and yeah yeah dude so that's that's how big was that buck you missed not to rub it in but i feel like people should know i I talked to judd about it and he sent me a trail camera picture i think i even sent it to you and i think we determined he was like 145 yeah that's a good buck yeah, dude. So yeah. in a short amount of time of whitetail hunting, you know, you've got, you get to really experience a lot. You know, you get to see big deer, you get to recover big deer, you get to miss one, you got to kill one. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. I feel very fortunate being able to hook up with you guys. You know, I hunted your farm. I've been hunting with on Judd's farm and dude, he's just got this killer farm. It's like every sit I'm seeing deer. I'm either seeing a few does and a small buck, or I'm seeing a few does and a shooter buck. Like almost, that's what it felt like. Every sit, I was like, I was getting action, and I'm like, yes. if this, dude, if this is whitetail hunting, sign me up, bro. <laughs> I can throw away my mule deer tags and all that, dude. I just all hunt whitetail from now on. Yeah, no, that's hilarious. Well, I, I remember you saying you're like, I want to go sit in a blind, man. I want to go sit out in a blind and just sit there. Like, <laughs> like we're talking about ground blinds. You're like, oh, I yeah. want, I want some of that, which I think is hilarious because yeah. a lot of guys are like, I'm not hunting out of no blind. Really, dude? I gotta try everything at least once, you know. I think they're great blinds. Um, did you ever end up hunting out of a ground blind? Mm-mm. So, no. I I like them, but what I don't like about them, it makes me less. Um, I'm less on alert. Yeah, I I'm in a tree that. stand. My head's on a swivel, and I'm looking. When I'm in a blind, I relax too much. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I find that. myself on my phone. You're on your phone. Got your headphones in, watching Netflix. Yeah, I got my shoes off. Got a coffee. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> falling asleep. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. Uh, I I find almost every time I hunt, if a deer shows up when I'm in a blind, I'm like, oh, oops, how'd that get? Because I'm on my phone or like. Right, just, you should have caught him like a minute before, thirty seconds before. And now it's too late, kind of deal. Yeah, I'm just I'm not on the same alertness as I am in a tree stand because it's so drastically different. I'm adjusting to the blind, yeah. game, you know. Grew yeah. up hunting out of hang-ons, and then you put me in this big comfy box blind. I'm like, man, this is great, you know. <laughs> I can't get caught if I'm moving, you know. I can only imagine though, dude, on those super cold mornings, dude, how nice a, a blind is. They come in clutch. So, oh, you know what? I did sit a blind. I sat it on uh, Todd's Todd's oh, farm. Yeah. yeah, like a pop up blind. <clears throat> yeah, pop up. And dude, it was so cold, so cold that night, and it was like super windy. And dude, as soon as I got in that blind, I'm like, oh wow, this is kind of 
this is nice and comfy in here. <laughs> but dude, nice. I'm having like these does feed up by me. Like, no kidding, dude. There must have been one that was like three, four yards <clears throat> just coming right by my blind, dude. <laughs> but there was a big doe I was after since I already tagged out. Yeah. I was looking for my next trophy and well, she didn't show up. There's all little does that came in. All right. So that is, uh, that brings up a good point. <clears throat> Let's talk about the whitetail meat. Oh, dude. So good. Do you think it's that? I mean, I know it's good, but like yeah. compared to other animals you've eaten, because you've hunted a lot of species. Yeah, dude. The only other meat I've had that was better is bear. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's a bold statement. Now, I will say this. I think um, when it comes to bear meat, I, I mean, I've probably eaten four different bears. And the best bear I've had was a really young bear. And it was just like top of the line. I just remember like this is like one of the first times um, most of the guys in camp actually had bear meat. And everybody was like, oh, I don't really want to try. I'm like, trust me, you guys are going to like this. Just just give it a try. Mm -hmm. Dude, we cooked it up. Nothing special. And boom, dude, they all loved it. Like, so bear meat's good. Um, but whitetail, dude, uh, I'd say whitetail is better just because you don't have to worry about trichinosis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good plus right <laughs> you know, there. Dude, I, I honestly like get concerned about like feeding my kids bear meat. If I get trichinosis, I'm like, whatever, you know? Yeah. Muscle cramps for a little while. So, well, so I'm like, I can deal with that. But if for some reason my boys got, uh, dude, I'd feel so bad. So, I definitely overcook it. I think it's got to be like 165 uh, temp. Yeah, for X amount of time. I don't. I yeah, know, but yeah, so, that's a good point. I'm surprised you said bear meat though. I have you eaten what's a is axis or fallow is one of the everyone always says is one of the best. Um, dude, I had fallow one time, but it was like cooked in soup, so I you can't oh. really like you know you can't, you can't judge it off that. Um, dude, I've had you know elk, moose. But dude, those corn-fed white tail, bro. It's hard to beat. Agrats, baby. <laughs> those agrats feed off corn, dude. Corn, yeah. It's like corn-fed beef, dude. Yeah, you know, I, honestly, I yeah, for sure, I can see that. You know, I've eaten a lot of deer, and I've had deer do taste different from deer to deer. You know, they definitely yeah, do. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I've had big bucks taste amazing. I've had does not taste so good, still good, but not as good as like some of the big bucks I've had. So. Um, I don't necessarily believe in that either. You know, a lot of people say the big bucks are nasty. I don't think that's true. Dude. And you know what? You're, you're right though. I think, uh, it can vary. Cause I remember this one mule deer I had, dude, I let it dry age for 60 days. Oh, really? So I shot it in December. Um, probably December like 18th or something like that out in Nevada. And I dry aged it under my deck. So my deck, <clears throat> was fully shaded like all day long, pretty big deck. I just hung it right there. So it was in the shade, super cold all through December into six. It's probably like 56 days is what I think I did it for. But anyway, dude, it started getting that thick leather on it, started getting that mold around it. Mm -hmm. And dude, I don't know if it was because I dry aged it for 60 days or if it was just that mule deer, but dude, it was so dang good. And then I remember another mule deer out of Wyoming that was really good. But then I can remember some mule deer that I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is not like, no. You know what I mean? So, so My it, perspective on the mule deer thing quick while we're still on mule deer. Yeah. I killed a mule deer in Oregon uh -huh. and it was awful. Yeah. Uh, the mule deer that we killed in Wyoming together was OK. OK. Yeah. But like, I'm not going to like medium rare cook one of those steaks like I would like a whitetail steak. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. just tasted more gamey or what? Like the one from Wyoming. Yeah. Um to me, because I don't know how to really explain it compared to like what I'm used to eating. Cause like uh-huh. we don't buy beef, man. Like every now and again, I'll like at a restaurant, I'll eat a beef steak or like special occasion. Like Fourth of July, I might grab some beef steaks to grill, like in a pinch, at, you know, with the family. But yeah. other than that, like we're not buying ground beef. I'm not buying beef steaks like weekly to eat beef steaks. Like it's all whitetail. So yeah. anything other than that is going to be different to me. You know what I mean? So um, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like my favorite. Like yeah. I, w- I wouldn't be like, man, try this. <laughs> so what's your favorite meat? Um, I did like the bear. I do like bear meat. I did really like the mountain lion meat. Um, but like you said, you can't cook like medium rare steak. Yeah. You know, or I wouldn't, you know, but yeah. um, I'd say whitetail. I really had higher expectations for elk meat. Yeah. And I just don't think my elk, I know it's, you know, it all is based on when you shot it, what happened, the individual. I know it all plays on that, but my elk, I'll have one steak that'll be great. Uh-huh. The next one will taste like I licked that patch of hair on my stomach <laughs> and uh we kept it clean so yeah I, you know i i don't know it's Did that elk die quick yeah okay yeah i double lunged him so he okay. did the he did the stand and then he fell yeah dude that's interesting I, I wonder what that is i wonder if it's just is it how we take care of the meat is it how quick the animal dies is it where they live does the elk live down in the desert does he live in the high country? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't know that, but it's interesting. Um, I do think it, it definitely varies from, cause yeah, I've, I've seen that. I just don't want to get a white tail that doesn't taste that great because then it's going to ruin it for me. Okay. So I got an interesting theory here and I want to see your take on it. And I don't know what there is a take to have on this. I killed a big buck in 2018, um, big old heavy body, mature buck, like five and a half year old or, or older. And I think he was living in this pocket uh, where he spent the majority of his time. I shot him in there, and he was one of those deer that I think traditionally, if you would have brought it back home in the back of the truck, you got back to hunting camp, you'd have had the old timers come up like, man, that thing's going to taste like a boot. You know what I mean? It was like that big type heavy neck buck type deal. And uh, so where he was at, I killed him not too far from a fresh spring. Uh Uh-huh. And I have a theory that that buck lived on spring water, uh huh, and that's what made him taste better. Dude, I I would, yeah, dude, I could see that definitely because that's the same thing with bears, dude. If you get a bear that's eating berries, that bear's gonna taste a lot better than a bear that's just eating rotten meat, <laughs> right? Or yeah, or donuts. <laughs> you know, or donut. I don't know. Maybe donuts might make the meat a little sweet, dude. That's I don't a good know. Point. Yeah. You know, see what bears like pork? Nothing better than sweet pork. You know. Dude, you know what we need to do? We need to just fill a bait barrel full of pineapples. You know, okay. it's like like hand oh, yeah. pineapple. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Heck yeah! But so yeah, I, dude, spring water. Dude, I could I could see that. I mean, I don't know how much you know weight that holds. Um, maybe not any because who knows how often he actually drink out of the spring. It's but fun to believe in it though, you know. So it's one of those it. like wise tales where I'm seventy. If I make it that long, I'll be like, I killed this one buck. Drink nothing but spring water, and everyone's gonna be like, shut up, old timer. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. that's how those stupid stories come to be like a guy who was like vague in his description it's like yeah that buck probably visited that spring maybe like once a week and i'm over here like it's all he drank yeah yeah you know but maybe not maybe, i don't know just in this bottom you know better, better than pond water 
or the murky, what do you guys call them? Streams, rivers out there? Well, we got both. Yeah. But you're creek, 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 yeah. creek, stream, river. That water always seemed kind of muddy when I would see one. You know, it's like, it wasn't like your mountainous, clear stream, river water, but. Yeah, it's it's all mud bottom though. Yeah, they're, mud. Yeah, they're not rock. You know, it's not like the Gray's River where it's all rock on the bottom, or like you know the Snake River you can see down in the damn thing. But, <laughs> um, but there is though. We do have that. You yeah. know, um, you know, you're not gonna see that in Mississippi, but yeah, you, you for sure will see that. But you know, to clarify, like there was a spring and what I would consider a small river in this yeah. area where I killed that deer. Now I don't know if that's true or not, but the meat thing's always interesting so um so whitetail is better than mule deer in your opinion so yep. so is it whitetail or bear i guess that's where it is number one. Oh, if i had to pick one if i had to live off of one the rest of my life it'd be whitetail really yeah i just you know here's here's the thing dude it's bear meat is really good and i also like to like uh build it up because nobody else has either tasted it yeah. Or likes it or just the thought of it. Right. Like even when I first started bear hunting, dude, the thought of eating bear is kind of weird. Right. Mm-hmm. They also are like carnivores. They eat meat. Yeah. But so I kind of I like to build it up. And dude, it is really good. I mean, I remember, dude, the first time we you, when you killed your bear, dude, and yeah. we're all like, yeah, we're eating this meat, dude. So that night we got back and we're cooking the back straps of the bear just over the open fire dude yeah over a grate and fire, we yeah. never tested the meat it was dark so we don't even we're not even looking at it we're just like hey it looks like it's done yeah so let's go ahead and eat it dude we probably got <laughs> trigonosis that night which is how the triggers trigonosis brothers came along yeah but uh yeah dude i remember like you're like dang dude this is actually better than i thought well everyone in camp was kind of judging us a little bit yeah, yeah remember that we were kind of getting some looks trey's like i can't believe you're gonna eat that thing yeah and i think yeah we had uh i think we might have just pulled it out dabbed a little salt on it and i i it was amazing that was my first time ever having bear yeah and that was good you know it was real good um what's the what's the weirdest meat you've ever eaten like the weirdest species like what's your your claim because i kind of have this thing where it's like i kind of want to have this checklist of things i've tried uh-huh. And I, I got a pretty broad array of things now in the last couple of years. Like I ate coyote a oh. year ago. How was it? So let me also clarify this. Um, <laughs> See, coyote's like weird too. You know what I mean? Just thinking about it is like it's a canine. Uh, yeah. What? You know, it's man's man's best friend, you know. But <laughs> um and uh so a professional <laughs> chef over from Hunt Chef cooked it for us. Okay. So he did it in the oven and he did it. You know, I think he had a thermometer in it. So it was at like the 160 or whatever it needs to be for X amount. So it was still like pink in the middle, but I think it had been cooked the right amount of time. So it wasn't like overcooked like a boot. Cause if I was going to cook it, I'd be like, char the shit out of that because you don't know what it's got. And he yeah. did it like a professional and he cut it up. And I'll tell you, dude, if someone was like, try this ribeye uh-huh. or some, I'm like, yeah, it is. Really? It okay, was good. So, it was good, man. So is it good because of the way he prepared it? Because I feel like you can almost make any meat taste good, right? Like you could take the shit of all shit, marinate it, whatever. I mean, yeah. if you're a chef, dude, you're a chef, and you know how to make shit taste good. That's right. Um. So now my question is, do you think it was that? Or do you think if, like, 
you or I cooked it, it would still be good. Hundred percent. He. It's because of that. Like, okay, yeah. He's a professional. I think you take a slab of coyote backstrap and hand it to a hundred other people. You, I don't think you'd want to eat it. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong in that. Like, you know, maybe if you threw it in a crock pot. I'm talking cooking it as like steak. Yeah. You yeah. know, a meat, you know, not like in a crock pot with green chilies and spices and hot sauce. Yeah. I mean, you can make anything good like that. Yeah. I'm talking like almost medium rare type hand me a slice. Dang, it was amazing. So, I would eat that. I'd try that. Oh, you, you have to try it. Yeah, dude. Oh and my gosh. Last year we ate beaver with them. Okay. Um, and then, so I've had coyote, beaver, all the way to giraffe. So, dude, I don't have that many. Um, I think maybe rattlesnake is probably like the craziest thing I've eaten. That what do you, you know, think maybe, of it, dude? I thought so. I overcooked it, but it's like chicken, is what they say, and I I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I feel like it would have been a lot better if I didn't overcook it. But yeah, I mean, I'd do it again if I'd see another rattlesnake, and I'm hungry dude <laughs> we tried to we killed one in south dakota and we tried to grill it but it was so small there was like no meat on it you know yeah um so it's just one of them thing i don't know whatever but yeah. it, it's cool like as much as it seems like we're kind of like side tangent conversation okay. right now we're kind of you know this does apply in what we do as hunters like it's part of the process yeah they're upstairs bud so yeah i don't know Sorry, dude, i missed that my little boy came down no it's all good this is like you know it seems like we're kind of just talking about random stuff but you know hunting and eating what you hunt or what you kill is very in line. Yeah. Um, How was giraffe? So it was good. Okay. Um, the giraffe, I think, was like 20 years old. So, um, and Charles was our chef in camp and he cooked open flame. That's yeah. like all the steaks. Um, he's like, I've never cooked giraffe, but um, it was good. Like you would right. never, you'd never complain about it. Um, but compared, like we were eating sable and water buck all week. Uh huh. And dude, and that's just like top oh tier. My gosh, better than whitetail. The way he was cooking it, yeah, it was yeah, it was better than whitetail. Holy like sable, yeah, medium rare sable, and he was making like a pepper gravy. Yeah, he drizzle a pepper gravy. Oh my god, dude! Now you're okay. So the, maybe the craziest thing that we've all eaten is a coos deer testicle. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, that might be the craziest thing: deer testicle. Yeah, dude. What did you think about that? <laughs> I thought it was good, dude. Surprisingly, huh? I did dude, not expect that. It's kind of messed up because just the thought of it makes you want to throw up, like even before it's in your mouth, you know? Yeah. But like, dude, like for me, it's like once I started eating it, I'm like, whoa, this is actually pretty dang good. It almost, like, it's like. You know, I've seen people do it on YouTube, you know, like you've seen like Steve Ranella cook it and like, you know, just like, like, uh, like sautés it in butter or whatever you call it where you keep spooning butter over it. Yeah. And this is just on the grill. Yeah. It was awesome. I don't even know if it was fully cooked. You know, I don't want to think about that. I just know <laughs> we ate it and didn't get sick and it was good. It was good, dude. You know, salt, maybe Takati light made it a little more bearable, but. Raw heart. We did that. Uh, was that the first year? Or was that last year that we had raw heart? No, we did that in, for your first year in Whitetail yeah. Camp. Dude, that was surprisingly really good. Dude, you put a little garlic salt on raw heart. It's pretty good. I don't no, know if you're supposed to be doing that. Wrap it up like in a sushi roll. Dude, that would be legit. Dude, I'm all in. I'm in. I've uh, I've heard guys do like uh, 
venison sushi where they'll take like I think they just hard sear backstrap, but it's raw and put it over rice. Oh, soy sauce. Yeah, um, there's a bunch of ways to do it, but I don't know, man. Now I'm getting hungry. I'm excited for whitetail camp, man. I love to think of some cool meals to cook and like make a tradition out of it. Well, the question is, are we going to eat testicles in deer camp? If somebody kills a big buck, are we going to eat the testicles? All right, here's what we'll do. For sure, yes, we have to. <laughs> it's a tradition now. I know, huh? It is for sure. So we're gonna have to do that. So we'll have to uh we'll have to do a video on how we do it. Okay. So we'll maybe have to figure we, that out. Maybe we should do it live on the podcast. We'll eat raw heart and raw testicles. Raw, we're cooking it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to get crazy here. All right, all right. Okay, that'd be fun. I I would do it. You know, why not? All right, yeah. Whatever. We're utilizing more of the animal. Try it. We could have ate the one from my buck last year, last October. The one that was all Oh, swollen. the big old testicle. I talk about that buck and I don't think people believe me to this day. And I, I, I posted some photos of it, but like I don't want to post too much that be unnecessarily graphic. Right. But I'm ta- I'm not kidding. One testicle was like this big. Jeez almighty, dude. See, now that I would probably not eat because I'd be worried against some like weird disease. I, ch- I, we actually like did an autopsy on it. I had to, <laughs> and it was, uh, it was just like tallow, tallowy. Really? Yeah. Just, uh, like waxy the whole thing. Like it, an injury, I think just like a hernia Uh huh. and it just hardened. You think he was still able to chase the ladies around or what? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't think it would have been fun. <laughs> it was like the, the sheer weight of it. In that region, I would think that he ha- would have a hard time. He was an old buck, um, uh-huh. but I would think like jumping fences would be really hard because not only was he a big bodied buck, but I mean, you just, you know, where I'm getting at with jumping fences, yeah. running had to have been painful. I just, I don't know. I so don't you know. Think, you think that happened because of an injury or what's that's my perspective? I don't know if he got hit by a car or got punctured in a fight, you know, like took a, a, a time to the, you know, that like soft spot in their front leg in, uh-huh, in, yeah. in front of their back leg. I mean, yeah. Um, I don't know if he like took a time through there and, and caught his, his family jewels and an injury. I don't know, man. Very strange. Um, but I know I did him a favor. Yeah, you did. He was How very, was that buck? I never got him aged. I regret it, but, um, I would say without a doubt, I mean, for sure, five and a half or older, I would, I would, I would throw money. He was like a seven or eight year old buck. And that would be considered a pretty old whitetail, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So most of them aren't living to be seven, eight, or are they? No, it happens, but um, it's not as common. You know? Yeah. You know, I, in my perspective, like a three and a half year old is when the racks start to look good. Yeah. And then a four and a half year old, you're like, ooh, five and a half year old. Yeah. You know? just nice. Yeah. It's a lot of four and a half year olds get killed because they look so dang good. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm not saying that I don't shoot them. I, I dude. They're hard to pass. Oh, you get yeah. one of the good genetics, but but you know, I did see some pictures of my buck for a couple of years from from a neighbor, and he okay. still he still had the same injury and still looked like a big mature buck. He was never there, like in the rack department, like never a monster by any means. But I almost just wonder if some of that had to do with his injury. So, how many years did that guy have pictures of of the buck? I think I have a minimum. I have a minimum of two years. Of and pictures. he has different years or the same two? Same two. I didn't have any. I had pictures of that buck this year, but I don't, if I did have a picture of him in the years prior, I never noticed. 
Okay. You know, his angle, but he has pictures of him where you can see it looks like a mass. Uh-huh. It's, it's, you know, like a basketball sized mass when it when he's walking. So not good. <laughs> out of the two years, the year that, that you killed him, was that the biggest, his biggest year out of the two years? He, yeah, he, um, I would say probably about the same size, but he just put on mass. Okay. So it's not like he went from being like a 150 or, or like a 110 to like a 135, 140 inch buck, you know, like right. he just got heavier, heavier all the way through, through his bases, through his tines, everything. So we'll all see. Right. We're going to have some fun. Okay. Before we close out talking to whitetail camp, can you grab the barnacle buck and give us a barnacle buck tour? Oh yeah. Let's do that. So this is a buck you shot last year, Devin, or the year prior? Yeah, so two years ago. So not last hunt, but the year before. So tell me, I don't know if you guys can see this, but look. So he's got these cool cheaters. But what makes this buck so cool? So this is the buck that Clint actually found. He came out here. I sent him up there to go look for a different buck. Uh-huh. And he ended up finding this one. But, dude, I can't really... I think he has like over 40 scorable points down here. So in order yeah. to be scorable, they all have to be over an inch. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this one like just comes up and curls. That one's probably just right at an inch, a little bit more than an inch. But yeah, dude, I don't, if you guys can see that. Wow. Bases. Yeah. I've never seen this, this, uh, that deer in that much detail. That's incredible. And then like, you can Point see that back. Point, it's hiding right here, dude, like that. Did you even know that was there when you shot him? Um, yeah, dude, because I got pretty close to him. I had him like at 90 yards and I put my spotting scope on him. Oh, and dude, I could just see all this gnarly stuff, but he wasn't velvet when I was that close to him. But, um, but to answer your question, yeah, he, he has more than what I thought. Cause all these little, all these little ones, you couldn't really see, um, in the velvet until he scraped, but he had another one that came down like this that broke off. Oh, no, it's this one right here. Pulled him up just a little bit. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah, so right there. Oh, yeah. Like it came down by his eye like that. Yeah, wow. dude, that's, that's the barnacle buck. And what'd he go? Dude, I had a couple. I had three guys score him just because he's so hard to score. I think if I remember right, it was like anywhere between 226 to 236. Yeah. So you guys got, got him over 230, and then one guy had him at 226. So, somewhere around in there. Go with the bigger one. Yeah, there you go. And then that's Radic, your big, your other. Yeah, that's Radic. He went to 23. Jeez. And then your whitetail and then your coos. Yeah. You want me to pull them off the wall? Let's yeah. do a whitetail, bro, since we've been talking about yeah, it. Yeah, let's do it. I love that mount, too. God, I'm so glad you got that shoulder mounted. Yeah, dude. Yeah, he's a great first whitetail, man. Pump. Yeah, dude, when I first seen him, all I see is, like, this side angle, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a shooter. <laughs> I love right, it. Now, I'll show you this one, too, real quick. Devin's piecing apart his, his wall. This is uh, the Freak Coos, dude. Yeah, that thing is amazing. Just, like, goofy. So, this, dude, what's cool about this buck is, um, so we, we watched him for three years. Look at the mass, dude. I don't know if you guys can see that, but look at that, dude. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a crazy coos deer. But, um, so yeah, dude. So, like we were talking about earlier, 
it's cool to be able to follow deer and then harvest them, you know, cause it, mm -hmm. but that white tail, I was out in Mexico on my birthday. Coos. Yeah. The, yeah. The coos deer. So three years before I killed him, my buddy finds these coos deer sheds, just gnarly coos deer sheds. And he's like, dude, it's your birthday. You can have them. So I'm like, hell yeah. That's cool. So then, um, the next year, I killed a mule deer and then seen him. And I was like, oh, damn, I want to kill him, you know. But I was already busy looking for the other deer that I'd shot. So then that third year, we went back and he shows up. It's the last day of the hunt. And I'm like, I'm just going to go give it hell, go up on the mountain. Because I was hunting mule deer. And I'm, maybe I'll go find this coos deer. Dude, sure as shit, he shows up. And uh, it's like, I don't know, I shot him with my rifle, like 450 yards. But dude, it was just cool to like have all that history, have his sheds from a buck out in Mexico. And mm -hmm. then now he's on the wall, but that's yeah, awesome. Dude. That's cool, man. I'm excited to get my coos buck back. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and just the way that hunt was, it was amazing, but yeah, there it's cool to see in the variety. You know, I'm excited to have like a coos, a white tail and a muley all next to each other. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I find do you, I don't know, maybe I don't know how many people you have roll through your house and see like your collection, but when you have someone that's not as familiar with hunting and it's like, they're genuinely curious, like what's that one? Why is that one? You know, like yeah. that. I think that that's fun. That's a fun process for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know it is fun. Yeah, well, I had a guy come over a couple of days ago, and he's he's like, "Wait, so are these deer, elk?" So he he knew nothing, dude. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, that, so it's funny that you say that because I explained that whole process to him. Hey, this one's a coos deer from Mexico. This is a whitetail from Illinois. Yeah. This mule deer, his nose is broken. If I shot him with my bow, here I'll show it to you. Are all your deer down there right now, Devin, or what? No. So I don't know if you can see it, but dude, look, this thing oh. broke his nose right there. I didn't boil it because I didn't want the cartilage to like come apart. Yeah. Whoa. See how it's all like. Yeah. But yeah, dude. Hunky. Yeah. So this guy shot with my bow out in Mexico, but. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, Eric shot a whitetail that had a broken snout, like that, a broken nose, and it was all like healed and thick and weird. It was, yeah, yeah. So that's cool, man. Well, one day we'll have to get a Devin Leonard taxidermy tour. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, dude, thanks for doing this. You I bet. know you're looking forward to whitetail season. Let's uh I wanted to get people built up from kind of like a newer whitetail hunter's perspective. You know, you're not a new hunter, but you're a newer whitetail hunter, of course. But. Yeah, dude. I Definitely a newbie when I come out there. But, dude, I like that because I can ask you guys questions. You guys can – because usually it's, like, the other way around for me, you know, out west. Yep. But like, coming out there, dude, it's, like, it's cool to be the student and ask questions and learn. Yep. And why this and why that and, you know, so that's – For sure. Yeah, dude, and I appreciate that. That's fun. It's cool to have that exchange because, yeah, like you said, I come out there and I'm, like, a thousand questions and it's, like, yeah. the table's turn. So it's it's fun. It's fun for both of us, I think, so – well, cool, dude. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you in a few days. Get some whitetail work in. Nice. And, uh, it'll be your build up to your biggest whitetail yet, I'm hoping. I hope so, buddy. Appreciate it, dude. Hey, where can people find you? Uh, I'm mostly just on Instagram. So Devin Leonard underscore D-E-V-I-N Leonard L-E-O-N-A-R-D underscore. Cool. And then check out Hunter's Box Club. We'll put a link in the episode description for that, too. Cool. So if you're familiar with WCB, you know Hunter's Box Club. So Yeah. Cool, man. Well, thanks. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. You know what to do. Go shoot a giant. We'll see you next week. Peace.